0: Good evening, Grace Church. Great to have all of you here tonight. and Love the fellowship that I can hear going on. It uh, just sounds good here in the church tonight. Stand with us this evening, we're going to uh, take this moment to uh, call a name in prayer. We had a, a prayer request called into the church today, and we want to pray for Taylor LaFargue. Uh, who's associated with a few families here in the church, and Taylor received a very serious cancer diagnosis today. But I know a God that shaped that body, and uh, this is no surprise to him at all, and he has miracle-working power. So let's, uh, let's pray together right now, and let's pray for the Lord's blessings on our service this evening. Lord, we come to you tonight grateful to know who you are, Um, just honored to be able to call your name over this prayer request. Lord, I pray that you would minister to Taylor LaFargue. I pray that what the doctors have told her would not be uh, just what is settled, but there would be something that it wells up within her that is a result of faith. Lord, I pray for a healing virtue to flow. Lord, you're bigger than any diagnosis, and you are able to comfort and give strength, Lord, and give hope where there is no hope. Lord, we ask you to move on behalf of Taylor. Lord, I pray that you would be there to give her wisdom, Lord, and give her family wisdom. Lord, we claim your healing and we plead your blood over this situation tonight. Lord, and we pray for our service tonight, that our ears and hearts would be open spiritually to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you this evening. You can be seated. I want to give you a few announcements this evening First of all, uh, Saturday, April 8th, will end our Connect Group session for this semester, and uh, we're sure that those of you that are involved in Connect Groups are aware of that. Also, this coming Sunday is Easter Sunday, and we're looking forward to a great time here at Grace Church this coming Sunday. Men's Conference is in Tioga, April 27th through the 29th, and in case you didn't know, Youth Camp registration is open for all camps, so if you have a camper who's ready to go, make sure that you get them registered. You know what seems like a fun job? Naming medicines. Claritin. Flonase. Abilify. Aleve. It got me thinking, who, who has the right to label something? Who has the right to name something? And I thought of two categories of people, creators. Whenever we create something, we have the right to label it. Brother Steve Bunch has been um, endeavoring to make some guitars here lately and is getting quite good at it. And Markita Guitars is the name that he has chosen for his lineup. And uh, he he gets to pick that name. Because he's making the guitar. A creator gets to label their creation. There's another category of people that gets to label something, and that's purchasers. Whenever we purchase something, we have a right to label it. Anybody ever given your car a name? How many Betsy's have been on four wheels out there? Yeah, there's a few Betsy's. Yeah. Maggie, there you go. That's, that's a good one. Uh, We got a cat a little over a year ago. It's our first household pet. His name is Yoshi, but when we adopted him, his name was Dewdrop. And we didn't like that name, so we gave him a name upgrade. And since we purchased him and we are his owners, we gave him a new name. And what I found out is that, in fact, he owns us. We are not his owners. You know, some labels are carried like a badge of honor but others are carried with a lot of shame. And some labels we give ourselves, and some have been given to us, and those labels tend to shape our identity. Psychologist David Brenner defined identity as who we perceive and experience ourselves to be. It's the I each of us carries within. So knowing this, how do you answer the question, who has the right to label me, who has the right? To shape my identity and define who I am. Genesis 126 tells us that God made us in his image and his likeness. And Jeremiah 1 and 5 says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Scriptures and Psalms also bear this out, that God made us and shaped us. Psalms 100 says, it's he who made us and we are his. Psalms 119 says, your hand's shaped me, and formed me. Psalm 139 says, you created my innermost being and you knit me together in my mother's womb. God created us. God designed us. And he knit us together from the innermost to the outermost parts of who we are. And he knows us more deeply and more intimately and more completely than we even know ourselves. If anyone is qualified to properly label and shape our identity it's our heavenly father not society not media not even other people are entitled to shape our identity and despite what you may think neither are you your feelings your past your wisdom those things just aren't enough to tell you who you really are. They can contribute, definitely, but it goes so much deeper than that because not only is God the most qualified to label us and shape us, he's also the only one with the right to do so because he is the one who purchased us. First Peter chapter 1 says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed, from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors but with the precious blood of Christ grace church the price that Jesus paid in order to purchase us was the most priceless valuable precious treasure his own blood and he made it all and paid it all to free us from sin to give us life instead of death and to adopt us into his family, and to call us sons and daughters. He gives you the name or the label that he knows fits you best. Amen. Y'all think about it. God bless you this evening.
1: Thank the Lord. You glad to be here tonight? I'm glad to be here. And uh, have looked forward to tonight now for several days and it's finally arrived and I'm happy to be here tonight and um, there's one announcement that we've made a couple of times that I'm very sad about and that's that our connect group semester is coming to an end and uh, very sad about that Uh, but I have a feeling the spirit of it is going to keep going and it's going to keep growing and and just magnifying and doing amazing amazing here at grace church and i want to applaud all of our connect group leaders all of you have done an excellent job i realize that we have one more week and i think there's a couple more scheduled and uh but to all of you uh thank you so very much for uh, your dedication and commitment to our connect groups and it's doing a lot of good we're going to give you a report in the next couple of wednesday nights about it and uh, about how they've done and whatnot, And uh, you'll be excited and pleased to, to hear that as well. So thank you to all of our Connect Group people. Um, moving on, Sister Landry uh, informed me tonight that we need a, uh, another person to help us in the nursery. Uh, one more person. We have a good group that's participating in that and we appreciate our nursery workers so very much and I believe this is the slot during Sunday School, not the slot during, uh, I don't see Sister Landry. Um, We need a nursery worker. If you can see her about it, she'll let you know which slot that is. Also a little housekeeping real quick. Um, We have several sheets of plywood leaning against the wall up here on the front uh, under the portico. it would be real nice if we could have them move to this underneath the stairwell um, in the back after the service tonight so they will not add to our decor on Sunday morning for Easter and uh, that's something we don't need out there for decor so maybe several of our men have a pickup truck you can just throw it in the back and ride it around to the back Uh, we'd appreciate it so very much and uh, if you would just wait till after church to do that I know a lot of you gonna be excited about doing that but if you can just hold it till after church uh, that would be amazing thank the lord I had a great time here this past sunday the communion service was such a um, a sweet time such a reverent time to remember what our amazing god has done for us as brother jason just presented and um, i'm thankful for that I think about it virtually every day think about that price that he paid for us and I'm very thankful and because of that uh, we owe such a debt to him and um, I want to talk to you about that tonight and uh, may get a little preachy again may have a little altar service we'll see uh, how it goes but I have one verse of scripture uh, that I want to read that's probably not as familiar as many others that we read try to Choose text that people are familiar with. But this one has a line in it, uh, some words that I want to use tonight um, for my message. Jeremiah chapter 48, verse 11. Jeremiah chapter 48, verse 11. The Bible said, Moab hath been at ease from his youth, and he hath settled on his lees." Everybody say, Lees. And hath not been emptied from vessel to vessel. Has not been emptied from vessel to vessel. Neither hath he gone into captivity. Therefore his taste remained in him, and his scent is not changed. This verse is just absolutely full of very preachable material and uh, if our ministry team wants to grab a hold of it and run with it in another direction please feel free to do so but I want to take out of this verse where the bible said about Moab is he has not been emptied from vessel to vessel what this is talking about and as a matter of fact uh, I'll mention this again in a moment but but Jeremiah 48 is Uh, most of that chapter is talking about a judgment that God is going to pour out on Moab, on the the Moabite people, uh, just because they've been an enemy of God's people since the day they came to be, practically. And if you want to read the, the account of that happening, it's in Genesis chapter 19, verse 30. It accounts for the origin of the nation of Moab. After Lot and his daughters escaped from Sodom, they lived in a cave in the hills near a place called Zor. And when Lot became drunk, his daughters seduced him and both conceived and bare children of their father. Lot's oldest daughter named her son Moab, from whom the Moabites descended. And Lot's younger daughter called her son Ben-Ami, from whom the Ammonites descended. And the Septuagint explains that the name Moab means he is of my father. It's a perpetual reminder of Moab's incestuous beginnings. Again, Jeremiah 48 is talking about a judgment that is going to be poured out on Moab. And then I read a word that's probably unfamiliar to most everyone here. It's the word lees. I ask you to repeat that a moment ago, a moment ago that word is found in this verse and it comes from a word and I'm going to read the definition these aren't my words these come from a bible dictionary source it comes from a word meaning to keep or preserve it was applied to lees from the custom of allowing wine to stand on the lees that it might thereby be better preserved Leaves is the, the pulp, the seed, the peeling of grapes when they are crushed. When they're crushed, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But when they're placed in the giant vat, the grape press, uh, people literally got in them and stomped them. And all of the pulp and the unusual part of that grape fell to the bottom. And the grape juice rose to the top. If that's set in that bottom of that vat for too long, uh, the Bible called it lees. It means, uh, as, as I, I just commented, if you leave it in there, it has a way of preserving the wine, but if it stays there too long, it becomes something else. It can destroy the wine, it can destroy the flavor of it. And what causes it to settle is because during the process of wine making, they will pour the wine from one container to the next and then pour it in another container and they pour it in another container. And if this doesn't happen, the wine does not become the necessary quality that the drinkers of it would demand. So it's not a good thing for all of that to settle into the bottom of the vat. It's the leftovers of the grapes. The word goes on to mean, according to the Bible, the Bible said in Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 12, that men settled on their lees, which means their hearts were hardened or crusted. The image is derived from the crust formed at the bottom of wines left long undisturbed, according to Jeremiah 48, 11. The effect of wealthy undisturbed ease on the ungodly is hardening. When we're not stirred up periodically, the default of that, the byproduct of that, is that people get hard hearted. The definition goes on to say that people become stupidly secure when they are not stirred up and literally as wine poured into other vessels. Your wine poured from one vessel to another to another. That's the implication of our scripture text tonight found in Jeremiah 48. But I would like to use that statement to preach from a different point of view tonight. When the Bible said that, uh, in in reference to Moab, that he had not been emptied from vessel to vessel. I want to talk to you for a little while tonight about emptied from vessel to vessel. To vessel. My title really preaches my sermon, and uh, I will not have a particular surprise for you at the end. I think all of you can see where this is headed. The drinking of wine or grape juice in the Bible, and our our modern day liberated Christian Pentecostal people have defaulted to drinking wine, Um, feel okay about it. Um, I don't feel okay by it because I believe it's a gateway, a doorway to more alcoholic uh, fermented kind of drinks, adult beverages as they are called. The reason in Bible times people drank wine or grape juice virtually every day is because water was so contaminated. You couldn't drink the water back then. People didn't understand all the water purification. They didn't have bottled water back then like we do now. And... um, there's still places i go when i run water it has a smell to it and because of it i can't drink it i know it's okay because people live in that area drink it and it's not well water city water i can name one place tonight that all of you are very familiar with but i won't do it it's located somewhere around tioga Uh, when i run the water it just don't smell good so i just we don't drink it we don't make coffee out of it nothing but the bible In Bible times the water the people bathed in it everything was used every water was used for everything uh, the rivers the lakes everything and it was got so contaminated and poisonous they would drink wine or grape juice in lieu of water all right with that short introduction let me get to my message I would like to introduce to Grace Church again that I still believe in true apostolic Holy Ghost revival I believe in that. With all of my heart, I believe in Holy Ghost Apostolic Revival. Amen. And I see many people here tonight, many people who are a part of Grace Church that are full of the Holy Ghost. And there are many great vessels in this house tonight. I am very thankful that we have some amazing Holy Ghost-filled, tongue-talking people that believes the word of God, that has it planted deep in your heart. I thank God for the people of Grace Church here tonight. Amen. So no doubt tonight there are some sitting in this house that are great vessels. You deserve to be honored greatly with the highest esteem for all your hard work and the gifts that you have contributed to our amazing King Jesus. Amen. I am persuaded God has some vessels in this church that he wants to use even more mightily for his kingdom. I am persuaded that God has some people in this church that he wants to use mightily for his kingdom. Thank the Lord. Amen. I was so excited last night at, at prayer when Brother Dave asked, uh, had presented a prayer request, and it was along these lines that we have a couple of young people that want to start the P-7 Bible study in their high school, ASAP, and they are making appointments with a principal. Uh, one of them, uh, he said, has about 40 kids already committed, said, if you'll start a Bible study, we will come and be a part of that Bible study we have some amazing people here tonight that are full of the Holy Ghost and they want to be used of God and I thank God for that amen there's other young people here tonight who are have been asking God what can I do what can I do to make a more significant contribution to the kingdom of God and to the work of God I've had some conversations with some of those myself So they're praying, all of us are praying. I believe all of Grace Church is praying, and we've been praying particularly this year. God, what would it take for you to use me for your glory? What would it take for me to be used for your glory, for a manifestation of God through me? What would it take? I believe tonight with all of my heart that if we could embrace a breathtaking boldness we all could experience tonight Uh, if if we could submit and be committed to his will, if we could just take the step of being poured from vessel to vessel. I want to applaud our connect groups again. I want to applaud our Sunday school teachers again, all of you. That every Sunday, every Sunday, you're pouring yourself. You're pouring yourself out into other people. You're giving of your time, your talent. You're making a sacrifice for the kingdom. You're pouring yourself out. What that does is it keeps you fresh. It keeps you in tune. It keeps you sensitive to the Holy Ghost. What unbelievable wine or Holy Ghost could come out of all of us. The Bible said that it would come forth as a, a river of living water gushing out of the inside of us. I believe there's people here tonight that are on the threshold of that very thing happening. When when the woman broke the alabaster box in the presence of Jesus, the Bible said that the the aroma, the fragrance of that, it just didn't stay around her and Jesus, but it filled the whole entire house. What would happen if we could burst through Forth our worship and our praise and our commitment and our dedication. Take all the Holy Ghost in us and pour it out on somebody else around us. Amen. If we could all submit, if we could all commit, if we could all dedicate ourselves anymore and be poured from vessel to vessel and become what he desires of us, what could Grace Church become if that could happen? Uh, this past Monday night, Sister Murphy and I went to get a bite to eat, and uh, got a very unusual text from Melanie Tipler, and um, she said, "Can I Facetime you?" And then said, "This is real awkward, and I don't know that she's ever Facetimed. I don't know if I've ever had anybody outside of maybe my grandkids that have Facetimed me for any purpose or reason." I said, "Sure," uh, had a little idea what was coming along, but uh, when when We got on FaceTime with her. Her house was on fire with the Holy Ghost. It was on fire with excitement. There was a lot of smiles. There was a lot of joy. There was a lot of happiness because she taught a Bible study Monday night at her house and has persuaded somebody to be baptized in the beautiful name of Jesus. that will be coming up in the next couple of Sundays. You know why it happens? It's because she's willing to be poured out. She's willing to be poured out to let herself be poured out into the life of somebody else. What else could happen? What could you do? What could you make happen in the life of somebody else if you'll allow your Holy Ghost to be poured out from your vessel to another vessel? And then that vessel pours it out to another vessel. And then that vessel pours it out. I could go on and on here tonight. I want to be empty tonight from vessel to vessel to vessel. Hallelujah. So bottom line, I want to present to my King Jesus the best I can present. I had an interesting experience this past Saturday. Sister Murph and I dropped by the church. She wanted to come and just check on the work in the lobby and uh, things that was going on. We walked in. Sister Sheila Goins was here and was decorating the platform and so on, and we were applauding her and, 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 and rightfully so for what she was doing. And, and she said, "I'm just doing my best." And without really thinking that statement through, I responded to her and said, well, your best is a whole lot better than my best when it comes to this right here. If you had asked me to do this, I would have done it. But she would have come behind me and straightened this and tweaked that and turned that and this way and that way and what have you. That's just how she rolls, and I'm all good with that. I want to say to all of us here tonight and understand the the little bit of a humor in that, but I believe all God is asking of all of us tonight is our best. You do your best, and if you'll do your best, and if you'll do your best, and if you'll do your best, and if we'll empty ourselves the best we can, that's all God needs. That's all God requires. That's all God expects. I don't want to come to church with an old crusty bottom in my heart of what used to be and of yesterday experience. I want wine to flow out of my heart fresh and rejuvenated and anointed and powerful because I love the kingdom of God that much. There's no time now to sit back and settle on our lees or the dregs in the bottom of the pot those drags represent an excitement that's years old an excitement's labor that's years old it's 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 it represents commitment that's years old uh, God is stirring all of us up, and there's a churning going on in this church. Yes, there is, and I keep hearing it. I keep hearing it all the time this year. It just seems like one good thing comes in after another, and one good report. To everybody's voice tone is different. The countenance is different. There's a different uh, atmosphere in, in, at Grace Church these days. It's because God is stirring us up, and we're being poured out from one vessel to the next vessel to the next vessel to the next vessel. Being that we're talking about wine, and I'm going to move on from this point in just a moment, but currently, in my research, the most expensive bottle of wine that's public knowledge just sold for a record of $558,000, one bottle of wine for a half a million dollars. It sold at a charity auction in New York City. It was a 73-year-old bottle of French Burgundy. It sold for $32,000 when it was new in 1945. There's a principle in this that I want to tell all of us old seasoned Pentecostals, that the older you get with Holy Ghost wine, the more valuable you get, if you can keep it stirred up. Does anybody feel me here tonight if you can keep your relationship with God fresh you have experience you have wisdom you have knowledge you've been through some trials you've been through some heartache you come at a very high value any pastor will tell you there's no replacement for a seasoned saint in the church that's on fire for God at Grace Church has a bunch of those people here tonight this season you've been through some things you know what life is about you've experienced the Holy Ghost you've experienced the power of God I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight and there's more value to us tonight than what we think we have if we can understand that in the sight of God we're worth his life at Calvary so tonight I want to be the best that I can be because God expects that kind of a value he expects that kind of return on his value You understand the value of God being with us every moment of every day. For every moment, especially since you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, since you've been baptized in Jesus' name, God has taken every step you take with you. He has never left you. He's never forsaken you. He's never forgot about you. God has put value into you. He's invested into you. He's made something out of your life. Imagine where you'd be without Him. I it behooves all of us here tonight to be the best we can be for the kingdom of God and not be less than what we can be. God, help us tonight to get on fire for Jesus and stir up those dregs, stir up those leaves and let God do something mighty in our life tonight. Everybody clap your hands to the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. You may be seated. Y'all have this video for me tonight. If y'all can go ahead and fire that up.
2: This is an excavation of the Israel Antiquities Authority done for the Israel Lands Authority as part of a huge project for the development of a new neighborhood for the city of Jafne. I'm sitting at the moment in the midst of a large wine press on the trading floor. This is just one of five large wine presses at this site. And this gives an idea of the large quantity of wine that was produced here. We're talking about two million liters annually from this one site. And this particular kind of wine is what we know as Gaza wine. And Gaza wine was a trademark wine that was from the whole of this area of the southern part of the coastal plain. We have to realize that this was a prestige wine. It was a light white wine and it was taken to many, many countries around the Mediterranean. We're talking Egypt, we're talking Turkey, we're talking Greece, maybe to southern Italy as well. So this was a wine that was widely distributed around the Mediterranean. In the excavation here in Yavne, the main find are jars. And this jar is the most typical jar that we found at the site. A jar which is known as a Gaza jar or an Ashkelon jar, which are very, very similar. The shape which you could even sort of compare with a cola bottle today was something which was completely known to anybody who saw them. And these were typical jars which were used for wine that came from the area of the southern coastal plain in Israel. And of course, we have many other finds. These jars over here are called Palestinian baggy jars, and they are the main kind of jars which were found all over the area of Israel right through the Byzantine period. We have these oil lamps which are dated to the same period as these jars. Then we have also oil lamps which come from a later period, from the early Islamic period. These are jols, children's toys, which were found also at the site. In ancient times, wine had a great importance, not only as an export product, but for many other purposes. For example, first of all, people enjoyed drinking wine. But beyond that, this was a major source of nutrition. And this was a safe drink, because the water was often contaminated, so they could drink wine safely, and then they could also, uh, of course, take it in as part of their daily diet. Excavation goes well beyond The usual scale of excavations that the Antiquities Authority conducts, a continuous excavation of two years, two to three hundred workers daily, huge site, a huge area of excavation. That will be the challenge of the excavators here is to work through all the material and to bring it to publication at the end.
1: I want you to notice this, the wine press, you notice the big uh, rock cutouts in the ground, the big, these are the big vats I referred to a little while ago. But this wasn't a very big area. Uh, it wasn't a large area. This isn't a wine making facility that went, that was all around the world. It was in one very small location. But did you hear what the man said? Because they were diligent every day. Because they worked there every day. Because they labored there every day. They supplied wine to that whole known region around them back in that day when they didn 't have all the modern transportation and, and, and the way to connect and all that kind of stuff that we do now. It was just a very very small group of people that work diligently every day. I want to submit to Grace Church here today that we have more potential and more ability to reach our whole area than we think I do uh, than we think we do. Uh, Ryan shared with me uh, Sunday. That our ad that we've been running on social media and uh, several television stations, uh, just Facebook alone has been played right at 65,000 times since it's been running in a month. We, you couldn't knock that many doors in, in 10 years. We have the ability to get our church name out there. We have the ability to get our gospel out there. We have our ability to get what God can do out there. Now we're running another ad on social media. Brother Dave did one. Uh, saw, saw it today, as a matter of fact, for the first time. We have the ability to get the wine out. The other thing I wanted you to notice from this video is that all the different shapes of the containers that they used for the wine. There were some that were tall and skinny, and there were others that were short, and you get the point. And. Uh, uh, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how big or small that we are, or, or how big or th- that we think we are, how small that we think we are. That's not the point. The point is if we become a container, if we could just become a vessel to to hold the wine, to hold the power of God, the Spirit of God on the inside of us. If we could just understand, if God could just get His Spirit in us, He'll take care of the distribution of it. He'll take care of seeing that it's spread around the world. He's proven that he can do that. We have to expand our vision and be willing to be poured from one vessel to another. God takes care of the expansion. Amen. Thank the Lord. So, a lot is mentioned about wine in the Bible. Also, I noticed from the video they had the little oil lamps and whatnot. And they even had children's ministry. Did you notice the little dolls right there at the end that they found at this excavation site? They even had children's ministry going on at their wine press. How appropriate, how appropriate that they invested in their kids. They didn't give them wine. They made them something else they could play with. But when you become of age, God will go ahead and fill you up with the spirit. Praise the Lord. So children's ministry was a part of what they did. So the Bible mentions wine. It talks about wine. And it's interesting how they did it back in the old days. And this is where the sermon is going to start falling on ears past these front two rows. When they would harvest their grapes, and all of you have heard this. When they would harvest their grapes, it was a joyous time. It was a jubilant time. They were always excited for harvest. There were feasts at harvest time. But they would take those Clusters of grapes. Just had that moment of revelation preparing for this tonight. Is there any clusters in this house tonight? I say yes. Connect groups is a good cluster. Sunday school classes is a great cluster. Our worship team is a mighty cluster. Our production booth is a great uh, cluster of grapes. Our lobby staff, our youth ministry staff, you can go on and on. We have some clusters of grapes here tonight. If we just be willing to be poured out from one thing to another to another, from one person to another to another, we could see the expansion and growth of this church, and it would be exponential. exponential. And I believe that tonight with all of my heart. But they would fill those vats up with grapes. And the maidens, the young ladies, would pull their skirts up to their knees and kick off their sandals. And just jump right in the middle of them grapes and have a ball. This has taken work to a whole new level. This has taken labor to a whole new level. This has taken your job to a whole new level. They would get in that big vat of grapes and they would just start stomping. Boy, they'd stomp and stomp and stomp and stomp. And they'd laugh and giggle and cut up. And it would go on. And them grapes, all of that juice going everywhere. It was sloppy. It was messy. It got all over their clothes. You know where I'm going with this. Everybody here tonight knows where I'm going with this. I wonder what would happen if we could take what's on the inside of us and just make it more 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 and and get a little more excited with our fellow church goer. Catch somebody's eyes this coming Sunday morning. and and just kind of give them a wink or a nod and said I'll get out in the aisle why don't you come with me I've got some grapes that need to be stomped i got some dregs that I want to get out of my life I want God to do something powerful and mighty in me I want to see an old fashioned outpouring of the Holy Ghost if we have a desire for it if we'll get in the vat and start dancing in the Holy Ghost God can move in us and speak to us yes he can These ladies would crush and smash the grapes with their feet and they would cause all the skins and the seeds and the pulp to be pushed to the bottom. And the more they danced, the more they caused the grape juice to rise. And I'm so hungry for that tonight. I'm so hungry for that tonight. I've talked about our young people running the aisles. I want them to take it to another level. It's time that you learn how to dance. To dance in the Holy Ghost. Folks, I'm hungry for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We're we're way too sedated. We're way too mild. We're way, we're way too we we've taken our seasoning to a whole nother place and God wants us to understand that we can have an outpouring of His Spirit and on our lives. I heard Lee Stone King say one time, don't act in church or don't expect anybody else to act in church the way you're not willing to act yourself. I heard a preacher say, I believe it was Jeff Arnold said, if somebody worshipped God like you did, could they pray through the Holy Ghost? It's something to ask ourselves and we have people here tonight that are just trembling in your heart. Oh, God, don't ask me to do that. Oh, God, don't ask me to do that. You know, the beauty of rejoicing and dancing in the Holy Ghost is it stirs up stuff in the bottom of our lives that nothing else does. You're not going to get that grape juice to rise to the top unless you're dancing in it, unless you're jumping in it, unless you're rejoicing in it. It ain't going to come just sitting in it. If you just sit down and it, it ain't going to do much, you got to move around and show God it's time for somebody to get accustomed to a Holy Ghost lap once in a while, somebody to dance in the Holy Ghost. If you will, if you will, God will start gushing out of your spirit. God will start gushing out of your heart. Amen. Somebody said, well, and I've had this conversation with church people more than once all that dancing and shouting runs people off not if it's real it doesn't I'm quite sure these young women in this big vat of grapes this wine press I'm sure they felt like they were making a spectacle out of themselves they weren't you know why? because there's people standing around waiting for what they were producing hello did I say something that was a little too applicable here maybe people don't want what we have to offer right now because there's too much junk in the bottom but you get it fresh and flowing They'll stand there all day long with a cup out and I want some of that. I want some of that. I want some of that. I've heard people say, well, I, I, just, I can't move around anymore. I'm too old. I can't either. I'm clinging to this pulpit right now hoping that it'll do the job for me. But I'm going to give it all I've got. I want to be my best, and I want to do my best. But I'll never forget, most of you remember Sister Dean Dykes that, that attended church here. We were having the Holy Ghost outpouring. My word, it was rich. It was powerful that Sunday morning. And she just couldn't contain herself. This is what she did. She stood up. I'll never forget it. She was sitting right back here about the third or fourth row from the back. And she just, that's all she had. That's all her body would allow her to do. By the time she made a 360, everybody else had sat down and the service had gone on to something else. But she stood there until she got her shout out, until she got her rejoicing out. She gave it all she had. If that's all you got, if that's all you got, get down on it, man. Get down on it. Your best may not be like these teenagers running the aisles, but you give it your best, whatever it is. Don't be too proud to do it. That's where you're in trouble. Don't be too proud to worship. Don't be too starchy to worship. Don't be too traditional to worship. I want to be poured out. From one vessel to another vessel to another vessel. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. I, I enjoy it so much on Sunday morning. Our young people come and stand around the front, as you know. But it really excites me. When I see that elderly person step out in the aisle and here they come. They're not moving as fast as these people. But there's a look in their eye. I'm I'm seeing two or three people right now in my my mind right now. I'm not going to call their names. But they've got a look in their eyes that says, don't step out in front of me. I'll run you over. I'm not going fast, but I'm determined. God bless your heart. You come up here and you worship. You do the best you can. You give it all you've got because when you do, it causes that Holy Ghost to rise up out of you. And it spills over onto somebody else. And you start sharing and being emptied out from one vessel to another vessel. When the grape juice finally rose to the surface, they would start scooping it out. And Bible history says that they would take this grape juice and place it in a goat skin that they made a, a pouch out of. It'd be kind of a, a canteen kind of thing today, but it was made out of a goat skin, and they would pour the wine in there, and then every day, while that wine was fermenting in that goat skin and getting more and more drinkable, and getting better and better every day. The Bible said they would anoint that goat skin so it wouldn't dry out, and it wouldn't crust all up. It would stay expandable. It would stay pliable. It could be used for any purpose that the wine had for it, with the wine on the inside of it. There's such an amazing uh, connotation of this tonight. It only goes to bear out of us that we need a daily anointing. We need to anoint our wine skins every day. Our, Our minds, our hearts, our attitudes anointed with the Holy Ghost every day to make wine or our relationship with God for its maximum purpose, not minimum, just to barely get to heaven, but for its maximum purpose, to have maximum impact on the lives of those that we encounter. If we want to function right, if we want to make good wine, if we want to please the King, we will allow ourselves to be emptied from one vessel to another. I'm pausing here for a moment because I want to do something. And uh, I don't really mind embarrassing people too much, but I do have a limit. Allison, can you stand up and do that little thing you were doing? Get out in the aisle where they can see you. Turn around and face them. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you very much. I wish I could do that. I can't do it like she does. I look all klutzy and stiff and starch. Of course, I'm 60 however much, and she's like 12 or something. And, uh, but man, she's... I love that. I love that. That's not too hard. It don't require very much energy. But to Jesus, but to Jesus, but to Jesus. If you do it unto Him, if you do it as unto the Lord, it means everything. And you can just get out there and do your little motion and do your little dance and do whatever it takes, whatever it takes, whatever it takes to be pleasing to Jesus and to anoint that wineskin every day with the Holy Ghost, with the power and anointing of the Holy Ghost tonight. Clap your hands one more time to Jesus.
3: (laughs) Hallelujah.
1: Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We had somebody that came to Grace Church when we were in Baker years ago, and uh, they told me, just talking about they were and what they were about and experiences they had and this person was in high school and said they were currently in a dance class that they uh, had learned a little bit about ballet and other kind of dances I jumped all over it I jumped all over it I literally challenged the person they never did it and that's okay but I, I challenged them to do it I gave them permission to do it why don't you dance in church Like they're teaching you at school, just dance with Jesus instead of someone else. I'm sorry, did I say something else tonight that was just kind of knocking us, our brains out a little bit? I don't mean to do that, but the Bible has set such an amazing precedent for this. The Bible said the reason Michael despised David is because he was dancing with all of his might. He was rejoicing just simply because the presence of God had returned to the great city of Jerusalem. What would happen? What would happen if we could somehow engage our Holy Ghost just a little bit more? I want to stop and say right here. Every time I come to this pulpit, I made a commitment years ago. Whatever I have on the inside of me, I'm going to leave it in this pulpit. I'm going to leave it here. I'm going to empty myself out every time I come. And that's what I'm doing tonight. You people have no idea how uncomfortable I am right now. I've never been so repetitive. I've never preached something and I've repeated the same thing over and over. I'm so uncomfortable. This style of preaching is in this, this context of this message I feel like I'm such a poor example of it. And, and sometimes I've, I've said in the past that uh, I can't dance much physically and run physically anymore, but my heart is doing backflips and cartwheels and what have you. And I, sometimes it takes my face a little while to show it as well. But I could promise you I've stood in this church, I've sat in this church, on a God only knows how many occasions where I would to God I could get up and make a lap. I remember the last one I did. And almost needed one of our nurses to come do a little CPR. When I got back to this pl- to the pulpit, I couldn't preach for about three or four. It's probably a good thirty or forty seconds. I just had you clap your hands. I was doing that while I caught my breath. But there was, uh, there's things that rise up sometimes on the inside, and you just can't hardly sit still. And you just you know, there was an excitement as God stirring us up, and and we get excited about Him. What's wrong with that happening? We get excited about so many other things. We get excited about stuff in the sports world. We get excited about stuff on our job. Why? can't we get excited about Jesus why do we have to settle into this melancholy mediocre style of worship when God has done so much for us when he's healed our bodies when he's answered our prayers when he's touched our lives when he's reached his hand into our lives I think once in a while it's okay to just say God I want to dance in the Holy Ghost for a little while I want to rejoice in the Holy Ghost for a little while I want to be excited about you for a little while Hallelujah! We need to be joyful about what He's doing and what He wants to accomplish and produce in our lives. We must step into a Holy Ghost wine vat of God's purpose. Watch Him turn these grapes of service into a manifestation of His power. I want to say that again. To watch Him turn these grapes, this Holy Ghost on the inside of us, this Holy Ghost of service, that we give every Sunday. I just called out a bunch of groups here tonight. All of you folks that serve in some capacity, take those grapes of service and turn it into a manifestation of His power. Periodically, we hear from our Sunday school teachers where the Holy Ghost falls. We had one of our students that prayed through the Holy Ghost one Sunday morning because his teacher talked about the rapture And how important it was to be ready for the rapture. And if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, you're going to miss the rapture. He took it to heart and came down here and God filled him up with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. What's wrong with letting ourselves be emptied out into the lives of somebody else? If we will, we can watch him transform us into something sweeter. And something greater. Wine fit for a king. To dance. To shout. To shout. No time to be discouraged, to be slack, to be at ease. God's turning grapes into something better. A Grape is an awesome thing. I watch my mother sin at least once a week in the grocery store. It was when Dixie on Winburn at North Thirty Eighth. I went with her when I wasn't in school. I went with her every Tuesday because they doubled SNH green stamps. Some of you don't even know what that is. It don't matter. But every time she walked by the grapes she'd take two or three and pop them in her mouth so she stole them grapes she did she just stole them grapes just as pretty as you please and as God would have it an evangelist came to our church one time I'll never forget it his brother um, well I just had his name that just left me I'll think of it in a minute uh, it was back in 71 72 something like that and he was preaching one night I don't know who told him outside of God I was about the only other one that knew, and I didn't tell him. But he said, and all you ladies that go grocery shopping and you pick grapes and eat them walking through the store, you're stealing and you need to stop that because you're sinning. It didn't deter (laughs) Ernestine too much. She went on ahead and snacked on the grapes as she walked around Winn-Dixie, A&P, whatever it was. It's time, folks, to step in to the vat of revival and some of us it just wouldn't hurt to make a fool out of yourself just get on them grapes and just start stomping and start laughing and enjoying the joy of harvest praise God it's time to say goodbye to the past goodbye to old taste goodbye to past frustrations goodbye to some problems of the past historically the wine that was put in these goat skins was not really the best wine. That wine was known as normal wine. It was everyday wine. It was wine that you could travel with, but it wasn't wine sent to a king. It wasn't wine served to a governor. I want to tell us today, the more we enhance our relationship with God every day, the more appealing that our relationship with God becomes to others. I'm going to have to skip way ahead. I'm running out of time. All of you know the story of Jesus' first miracle found in John chapter 2. It's interesting to me in this story, and there's so many facets to it, as you all know. You can stand with me tonight, I'm done. They served wine and ran out of wine. You all know the story. And uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, told. Jesus, you need to do something about this. And they had a little conversation about it, but he finally submitted, and it was introduction to his miracle ministry. He told the servants to fill six water pots with water. Six is a number of a man in the Bible. Six, six, six is a mark of the beast. It's a number of men. Take six of those and fill it with water. It was a type of him filling people up with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If God took that water, and turned it into wine, enough that the governor of the house said, most men save the bad wine to last because men are drunk by then and they don't know the difference, but you have saved the best. If God can do that in one single moment, how quickly could he impact our lives with his power and with his spirit? How quickly could God do a work among us? those that will sit and listen to me for any length of time I had lunch with somebody today our musicians come I just feel like we need to worship for a moment that I have felt something stirring in me and it started last November and I've shared with you the story oh God help us tonight it's, oftentimes it's hard to sleep at night my mind is churning and there is a long list of things that I want God to do that I'm asking God to do in this church and I believe some of those prayers could be answered if somehow Grace Church could get a hold of this excitement we've taken it to the social level connect groups have been amazing this semester they've been amazing Uh, it's been virtually picture perfect uh, in so many ways. We'll talk about that in a couple of Wednesday nights. Connect groups have been awesome. Worship team is amazing. We, we have all the ingredients. We have, we, we have all the things that we need. But just God has laid it on my heart that now we need to take this relationship that we're rebuilding, we're reestablishing, what have you. We need to take it to the next level beyond social to spiritual where God can use us as he chooses. That God could use us for spiritual things as he chooses. I applaud Melanie for teaching the Bible study at her house. This has been going on now for several weeks, I understand. Now she's enjoying and experiencing the payoff of it. We all will in the next few Sundays. I'm asking God tonight to take all of us to a level of joy to a level of excitement that would be manifested that would be you wouldn't have to call for it you wouldn't have to ask for it I had a short conversation with Michelle Thornton last night after prayer and she mentioned the spirit of a new convert I've seen new converts I've seen at my home church on Sunday night where the song leader would literally get in the pulpit and say praise the Lord everybody let's all stand a new convert hit the aisle running I've seen it happen no matter they're ready anything about Jesus they're excited about God give us the spirit of a new convert so tonight I want to give all of us myself included an opportunity to talk to God about this that if God asks us to go to another level a challenging level of worship and commitment would we be willing to go there as I preach to you Sunday he's extending a hand and wants you to take that hand and trust him as he takes you down an unknown unfamiliar path so as they are playing and they're going to sing I don't know what they're singing it doesn't matter But I want to invite all of you that will to come just for, if you give me five minutes. I've gone a little bit long tonight, but my heart's full. Just want us to engage the Holy Ghost for a few minutes tonight. Y'all go ahead and sing. Just everybody come that will. Come stand around the front and let's engage the Holy Ghost for a few minutes tonight, shall we? Would you come just to worship and to let the Lord have his way? Y'all go ahead. Thank the Lord. Oh yeah.